I mean, when we come to week six in our series looking at the book of Galatians, in our preaching series, which we have been running through on and off about um, understanding the Bible, and in, in each of these little series that we do, we, we investigate one of the books of the Bible and we kind of slow down and just take our time working through it. And we're chapter six. Now, I was actually saying to Kerry just yesterday, Chapter 6 is one of those chapters that you could actually spend numerous weeks sitting in and just exploring each of the various aspects that are being pulled out of there and the nuances of... But I'm not going to do that. We're just going to... We're going to let Chapter 6 be... This message be the last of our series on Galatians. Because there's some other things that we want to kind of talk about and preach about and investigate as well. Today, as we look at chapter 6, what I would like to do is I want to bring together two disparate thoughts, one about the world today and one about the expectations of being a disciple, of being a follower of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. So let's start with the Bible today. We're going to go into Galatians chapter 6 and I'm going to read um, verses 1 through to 10. And I'm going to leave the rest of the chapter for you to read at your own leisure, um, which is Paul's final advice to the Galatians. So today we're going to share together in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through to 10. And it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if 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 another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love Paul. He doesn't mince words sometimes. He puts it straight there. If you think you're too important, let me tell you, you're not. Be careful. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for the teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from this sinful nature. But those who live in peace will please the Spirit, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Therefore, whatever... Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. As I've said previously, I'm always astounded, and I don't know why I am. I love the Word of God, and I love how God brings something out fresh and new each time you read it, each time you hear it. For me, as I was reading through this passage and reflecting on it and and preparing for bringing today's message, 
Verse 3 and 4 stood out for me. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think that you are too important to help someone, then you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That, it, it stood out to me and went... And, you know, in, in my preparation for preaching, I'll sit in the passage and reflect on it and just spend some time letting God speak to me about what I want to bring, what I should bring out, what is the word that should come out for me. And today, that was the word. How do we share one another's burdens? How do we obey the law of Christ in sharing these burdens? How do we not place super importance upon ourselves, thinking that we're so good that we can't stop and help another person? And how we can do this in not just as individuals, but as the community of faith, because that is the direction that Paul is going for. So to put this into context, like you know, we can't just pick these verses and the, you know, this section out. It, is, it exists in the flow of the text that is happening. So to put this into context, I want to just read the final statement from chapter 5 because it flows on and links us from it. It's from Galatians um, chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, and it says this, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the, follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. See, here's the thing. See, because we're living by the Spirit, we are to what? To follow the leading of the Spirit in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So if we place that in front of this, where Paul then goes on and says, Dear brothers and sisters, if anyone, if anyone is a believer, uh, is overcome by some sin, who are you godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. So you see these little statements that Paul is making about how do we live by the Spirit and let the Spirit's leading encompass all of our lives. To live by the Spirit, and let's just break it down really quickly for us, to live by the Spirit means that we will not let another believer fall into temptation. We will do all within our power to help that person see the error of their ways. And, and there's a warning to each and every one of us. Don't fall into the same temptation as that person has. You know, it, it gives complete honest realisation to our human condition that things tempt us to draw us away from God's calling upon our lives. And it may be the simplest, most mundane thing but once that little niche is opened up, it then starts to move and get bigger and bigger and bigger as we go on. So to live by the Spirit means that we're not going to let another believer fall into temptation. It also means that we are going to bear each other's burdens, or as the New Living Translation has it, share each other's burdens. We're going to be diligent in what we do. We're going to take responsibility for what we do. And we're going to continue to do what is good. So these five things are just packed into this little section. But I want to explore one of them with you. What does it mean that we share each other's burdens? It may sound easy for us. And I have a feeling that 
it's not practiced as easily as we think it is. It's not practiced as much as we think it is. So here comes the first of my two disparate thoughts that I want us to bring in. Uh, and, and this is from the world point of view, the worldly kind of thing. And the reason why we don't practice sharing one another's burdens as easily as we think it should be. See, we live in a world and we live in a time where we are under a constant pressure of distrust. Let me state that again because it's actually a really important and powerful statement. We actually live in a world and we live in a time where we are under a constant pressure of distrust. This constant pressure of distrust means that we, that we are sceptical of others' motives. And what happens when we are sceptical of others' motives is we close ourselves off. We, we go, I don't want to be involved. Let me give you an example. And it was, it's really interesting that I wrote this example uh, a little while ago. Uh, and, and this morning, as we were preparing for church this morning, I had one of these arrive. How many people have got a mobile phone and have received at least a scam phone call or a scam text? Yeah, 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 there's a few people. You know what it means, you know, claiming that your, 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 your internet is broken or that your, your computer has a problem or the tax department wants some money or the latest one is that there's an outstanding um, charge on um, linked. This morning I got, and I'll, I'll pull it out, he, here's, here's another one. I got a message apparently from Australia Post that's saying that if I go to this really random web address, I can rebook my parcel delivery. I don't have any parcel deliveries coming in. But can you see that the, when I looked at it, the first thing I thought was, I don't believe you. Why? Because we now live in a world where there is a constant pressure of distrust. You know, when I get phone calls, and I get phone calls every so often, I don't know about you, do you get phone calls every so often? When you get phone calls, because of this constant pressure of distrust, and I hate to admit it, the first little moments of these phone calls I'm gauging whether this person is trying to scam me out of something or try and push me into something or try and sell me something that I do not want. Have you ever felt that pressure? You know, and the constant pressure of distrust that is being placed upon us leads us to the point of being sceptical about somebody that you do not know, their motives. It's not only just in these things like scam phone calls or text or people trying to rip you off, all of those things. It, it, it's, it's the fact that we, we live in a world where elections, we have things that come up about fake news and we're worried about whether what we're getting is real or not real. And so we distrust the news services and we distrust other people and we, we listen to algorithms that are giving us information because of one click that we made somewhere, some time ago. This level of distrust has increased. 
So what are the ramifications? I like that word, ramifications. Challenge you to weave that into a conversation this week if you really want to. What are the ramifications of how we share one another's burdens if we live in a place of constant distrust? First one is that we actually don't share our burdens with others. We don't share our burdens with others because we, we, we don't know if that other person is actually going to use what I share against me. So we are distrustful of the other person's motives because of all of this constant pressure of distrust. We're distrustful of the other person and so we don't open up and share that we are under a pressure, we are under a weight and only if I had some help we hold it back and think I have to do it all myself. This is all mine to burden and share but the other thing that happens is we actually limit our response to somebody else's burden. So if we see somebody struggling, we actually limit, we hold ourselves back because we may offend or we may step on over the mark in somebody's life and think that, well, maybe they, they're going to ask me for help and should I actually just step and offer help or I, I don't know what to do because the other person may take offence that I'm offering help and thinking that they're weak. And so this level of distrust continues on and so we have this point of not willing to share our burdens, not certain whether we should help when we see burdens. And, and, and thirdly, we, we may even not help because we think that the person is trying to actually gain some advantage from us whole kind of thing about scamming or the other thing that we may actually believe that the person just actually doesn't have a genuine burden and, and they should just you know and I don't want to use the term but man up you know I, I was just quickly trying to think of what the general neutral term for man up would be person up toughen up that's better toughen up and just or suck it up and just deal with it you know that's, that's the thing. Maybe that's where our world's got, but I don't believe that's what God wants us to live like. I don't believe that's where we should be. So how do we get over this constant pressure of distrust that is pushing on us? And what are the things that we can do to help us share one another's burdens? The first that we actually have to do is actually recognise that this pressure of distrust actually exists. So actually, you know, first rule of, of anything is actually realise that there is an issue going on. And so we realise that there is a pressure going on. There is a level of distrust going on. Secondly, we need to learn how to check our behaviour. So when you pick up the phone to a phone Call, you're going, how am I going to respond to this? And I know for myself that I've had to actually check my behaviour and go, actually, no, I don't know this person yet. That doesn't mean that I have to distrust them. So I've actually said in my head, stop, listen, and then speak. 
and speak and listen to their story. Thirdly, we should be practising sharing one another's burdens with our fellow brothers and sisters. And, and, and that's both ways. Sharing your burden that you have with people of faith, people of the Christian community here, share that with one another and also share that person's burdens. And by doing so, what happens is it actually starts to embed a new set of behaviours and a new set of values within ourselves. When we open ourselves up to another person's burden, we realise that life may not just go on as easily as we thought. When we share our burdens, we realise that other people care and want the best for us and God is there with us. So this brings me to the second thought that I want to share with you, the second disparate thought. So one is the worldview coming upon this. The other is the expectation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Of how do we share each other's burdens in practical ways? What does it mean that we, we practically show the love of God to our, to our world around us, to our brothers and sisters in Christ? What does that mean? So let me just go a little nerdy for you. If we were to go into the original language that this was written in, into the Greek, we would find that the actual phrasing actually gives a lot more than just sharing a burden. It kind of is about to carry, to take away, to lift up off a weight, a heavy weight that is upon you. So if you're thinking about how do I carry, how do I share another person's burden, how do I bear that other person's burden, it's to help lift off the weight that is upon that person. Now if we were honest within ourselves, we would have at least some weight within our life. Something that is a bit of a burden for us. It may be physical, it may be um, monetary, it may be psychological, it may be a relationship. It could be any of these things. But there is a weight upon there and it's holding us back. So as a Christian community, what happens is that we share that burden. We lift up the weight but we can only lift up the weight when you are willing to show what is weighing you down. So one of the hardest things to do, and, and I've said this a couple of times, is I would love to be with people and share with you in times of troubles. But if I don't know what is going on, then I can't share with you. I can't share that burden. If I don't know there's a weight there, then you can't share that burden. So if you're holding that weight inside and going, I've got to carry it all myself, then you miss out on your community of believers lifting the weight from you. You miss out on the blessing of God through those people around you to lift the weight off you. See, the Christian community is more than just sharing. It's, it's actually doing more than just, than just the caring. It's actually taking away the burden that weighs on upon our lives, that has accumulated upon us. 
how do we know that this is actually something that, that Jesus wanted his followers to be doing? How do we know this? And, and I just want to take you to the, the, the really classic um, passage that we hear um, brought out so many times, time and time again, but it is important for us to hear it. And it's from Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40, and it says this. And, and this is about Jesus responding to what is the greatest commandment. And it's this. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Let, let me just stop there. It's really interesting because whenever I hear this used by people outside the church, they often want to forget the first commandment, the first part of that, and they just want to come into this second one. Love everybody. That's all that you need to do. That's what's important. Love everybody. The first commandment in order to share our love around the place is to love God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. That's the first thing. That's the greatest thing. And then the second is equally important is to love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the descendants of the prophets, demands of the prophets are based upon these two commandments. So if we consider what Jesus is saying, is, is we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, but it requires something from us. It's not a passive thing. It requires us to love our neighbour. How do we do that? We do that by sharing, lifting off, taking away, bearing the burdens that are upon their lives. If you want your burdens lifted, lift another burden of somebody else. This principle of carrying another burden is lived out and seen in the New Testament church, the early church. If we jump into Acts, the Acts of the Apostle, chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, and it says this, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their properties and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, this is a radical change to the way we think about sharing the burdens, but it said, well, I've got money, you don't, what will I do? Well, I'll share all, I'll get rid of all of the things that I have and we're going to bring it in common. We're going to share it together. So we are one. There is not one that is in need, there is not one that is sitting above and has got more. We are all together. Radical way of thinking about sharing one another's burdens. Actually, giving what we have monetarily, physically, for another person's need. It, it, this is not just a New Testament um, thing. This actually is also instituted from the Old Testament, um, from the, the commands, from the, the very first five books within the Bible, gives us um, a setting of this. And it's about how we treat those who are who are poor, who don't have enough, who have a weight upon them. How do we treat them? And so within that, um, within the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, Deuteronomy has this set of rules and regulations that um, 
the Israelite nation was meant to live by. And, and they set down, like all good sets of rules, they set down patterns of behaviours that they had about how to um, deal with people who were poor amongst them. So from Deuteronomy 15, verse 7, uh, through to 10, it says this. But if there are any poor Israelites in your town when you arrive in the land of the Lord your God, your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. I love that. I love the language. Don't be hard-hearted. Don't, don't bottle up. Don't become distrustful. Don't hold yourself back from the person that is poor, who has a weight upon them. Don't be tight-fisted, holding it into yourself. He says, instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. And now they had a, you know, this is a concept of lending, of giving. And we tend to want to then start putting in all of our um, understanding of what lending and giving means in our new world and charging interest and all those kind of things. But that's not part of this. And it says, do not be mean-spirited, you know, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year of cancelling debts is close at hand, or the year of jubilee. So the year of jubilee would go, oh, what does that mean? It actually meant that, you know, they, they'd have a period of time, it was 50 years, wasn't it? Yep, good, I got it right. 50 years that you could have a loan, and when that 50 years came up, the loan was cancelled. There was no more that had to be paid back. It was released. So it's actually saying, don't be mean-spirited mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year of cancelling debt is coming up that you won't get your money back, that you'll have to let it go. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Simply put it this way, if, you, if your brother and sister is in need, then you help them. If you are carrying a weight, you, you actually, if they're carrying a weight, you find a way to lift it off them, monetarily, physically, emotionally. We don't leave them hanging there. We don't leave them stranded. And by the way, this doesn't mean that, that you have to do all the lifting. It's not about you lifting everything. It's about maybe you simply are the person that connects them with somebody who can help. You might be the conduit that helps that person get themselves out of the place they're found in, lifts that burden. You do it by share, you know, helping that person. It may not be your calling to lift everybody out, but it may be your calling to point them to others who can or point them in the direction that they need to, Hold their hand as they go through a difficult time. Sit with them. Mourn with those who are mourning. Laugh with those who are laughing. Join together in what is happening. Live together. So let us be, as a community of believers, let, let us be willing to break down the wall of distrust that has been built up by this constant pressure of news cycles, media cycles, social media, scam calls, of us fake news, of the no fake news, whatever it might be. 
let us break down this distrust that is built up around ourselves and let us always be willing to share each other's burdens. And that way, as Paul says, in this way, you will actually obey the law of God when we share each other's burdens. Let's just pray together. Let me just say this little first section of the prayer um, once through and, and you can then repeat it with me as we go through it again. So, Lord, help me to see the needs of others. Give me a heart of compassion that leaves no one behind and recognises that we are all one in the body of Christ. So let's just pray that together. Oh Lord, help me to see the needs of others. Give me a heart of compassion that leaves no one behind and recognises that we are all one in the body of Christ. Oh Lord, we are all one in the body of Christ and we ask that you just break down any walls that we've built to community, to friendship, to compassion. Break us open, Lord, if we've walled ourselves in. Break us open, Lord, so that your love may flow within us and that your good works may flow out of us. Let us not hold on to, but let us release your love, your compassion, your gifts, your honouring of us, all that you've bestowed upon us. Help us to use that to ease the burdens of those around us. Oh Lord, we pray this. In your mighty name. Amen.